going to accept it or not. But today we want to look at a response um, from God's word and how it turned one person the wrong way. And we'll briefly look at how the same word can turn somebody in the right way. So before we begin, let us go to God for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're grateful that we can be assembled together in your name this morning. Father, this morning that you have given us is a day that we haven't fully witnessed, but Father, because of your grace and your mercy, you have allowed us to be witnesses of a brand new day. Pray, Father, that we can live it to the fullest. Pray, Father, that we can accept your word with gladness and be willing to make the changes that are necessary. Bless us now as we look into your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Power of a few words. <clears throat> you know, wars have been waged over words. Businesses has been established over words. Peace has been brokered uh, through the power of words. Hopes have been bolstered and dreams have been shattered by the power of words. Families have begun, families have been destroyed by the power of words. So whether we see it or not, words hold a tremendous power over our daily lives. But one word that should hold most power is God's word uh, over our lives. So the Bible is full of statements regarding words and their power. Uh, for example, Proverbs 6 and 2, thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken with the words of thy mouth. Ecclesiastes chapter number 5 and verse 3, for a dream cometh through the multitude of businesses and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. Don't you know when somebody is a fool by the things that they say? And you know that somebody is wise by the things that they say. Power of words. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Whoa. You mean, Lord, everything that I say you're going to hold me accountable for? Yes. Power. So, taste your words before you spew them out. John chapter 12, verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Every word from Genesis to Revelation, we're going to be judged by. How well did you parallel your life to my words? How well did you live? My, I'm judging you, but it's like an open book test. And, and, and God is saying, here's the Bible with all the answers in it. There's going to come a day when you're going to have to pass the test, so study. It's a shame if somebody fails an open book test. I'm giving you all the answers, and you're still going to fail. God has given us an open book test. We're going to be judged by the words that he's given us. So we just got to be acquainted with these words and accept these words, all right? So we're going to look at a text that, um, that deals with a man in authority. Uh, he had power, but God's words are definitely more powerful than he is. And his name is Felix. He was a Roman governor of Judea. And he's listening to the Apostle Paul preach concerning Christian faith. Now, most rich people, a lot of rich people, a lot of politicians, a lot of movie stars, actresses, are. Uh, uh, athletes, a lot of them don't have time for the word of God. They just have time for their riches and their wealth. So as Paul preaches the gospel, Felix is moved by the words that he hears. But what direction is he moved in? 
will soon see, for those of you who may not be familiar with this narrative. So let's go to Caesar's palace and listen to this sermon, all right? And let's see what's going on with Paul as he preaches to Felix. Acts chapter 24 and verses 24 through 26, the Bible says, a few days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. Sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. As he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was what? Terrified. Look at his response. Go away for now, he replied. When it is more convenient, I'll call you back again. But he hoped that Paul would bribe him, so he sent quite often so he could talk to him. You know, these guys are used to bribe. They'll take a bribe. Hey, Felix, man, I hit you up with a few pounds of gold, man. Let me get out of here. Give you some silver. I'll give you my family. They will give up anything for freedom. So he was used to taking bribes. So what he did, he sent them back to jail, and he would often talk to me. Hey, Paul, how you doing, man? Uh, uh, still, my, 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 my offer still stands. You want your freedom? I understand you're a man of stature. You're a member of the church. These people in Macedonia and, and Philippi, they keep sending you all of this money, man. I heard about all this money these people have been sending you. I know you have some. Let me have some, and I'll let you out. Paul wasn't going for it. So we see his response. Any comments on this? Look at that. As he reasoned, what does it mean to reason with somebody? What does that mean? Discuss. To discuss. Yes, this is serious, precise, detailed dialogue. Paul is clear, he's concise. Paul speaks the truth without fiction or filter. I think I need to say it again. Paul preaches the truth without fiction nor filter, and that's how we ought to be. All right, so his response is he's terrified by these words. Look at what he's, look at what he's being taught. He reasoned with him about righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come. When he hit that subject in the sermon, oh, man, all right, Paul, that's enough, man, all right. Listen, man, I heard enough. I'll I, I catch you later. See what happens. Okay, so let's notice the reason why these words were so powerful. Now, first of all, he was a wicked governor. <clears throat> all right, we're going to talk about Felix for a second, just so you'll know his background. This guy, okay, so he served for about six years under the influence of Nero, the emperor, who was a whack job to the fullest, this guy. So <laughs> Nero was his evil emperor. So Felix engaged in drunkenness, orgies, and bribes. He was cruel to slaves, and he had many people crucified. He even ordered an assassin to kill a high priest. So as we can see, Felix was not the kind of guy you want to be around too much. So this is what Paul is dealing with. A guy that's rich, a guy that has power, and a guy that's wicked. That's a rough one there, church. But, however, those individuals need the gospel. So, a few days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, sending for Paul, and they listened to him preach about Jesus. Now, notice it says, a few days later, because this was the second hearing. They've already had one hearing already and sent Paul away. So the first time they came, they came with this lawyer named Tertullus. Wait, I'm jumping ahead. Hold on. This is, yeah. During the first hearing, the Jewish leaders, along with this lawyer named uh, Tertullus, 
uh, he came and accused Paul of all these riots and, and these uproars and causing all this chaos. So they thought since they had this big time attorney in, in court that, oh yeah, this guy is definitely a great prosecutor and yeah, we can get this guy, we can send Paul to jail with this guy. We have Tertullus in the second hearing now. They thought they had him. So when the prosecution concluded their discourse, Felix gave Paul the permission to speak. The prosecution didn't have a leg to stand on. They forgot Paul was a lawyer. He didn't have to hire anybody. He was his own defense. He was outnumbered. Everybody was against him. Because you had Felix, you had all his noblemen. Everybody was on Felix and Drusilla's side. And the people in the audience, wasn't, they wasn't for the Church of Christ at the time. And so they got a lot of... Uh, they got a lot of uh, problems as a result of that. But Paul knew what he was talking about. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with truth, and the prosecution couldn't, couldn't take it. So when Felix saw that Paul's defense was so strong, he says, we'll meet again when Lysias, the commander, is present. So now you got to go get somebody else. Is that going to change the truth? No, it's not. I don't care who you go get. Truth is truth. All right, so now Felix is trembling. He says, man, I'll talk to you later. So they put Paul back in the prison cell. This time, Felix is accompanied with his wife, Drusilla. This is Felix's third wife. Uh, Drusilla was the daughter of Herod. You may remember Herod in Acts chapter 12. He got the apostle James' head cut off. All right? Now, looking at that, that tells us what? Drusilla is from a legacy of evil. Her daddy was bad news. <clears throat> These are the people that Paul is dealing with. Do we deal with evil people every day? Absolutely. And we got to be bold. We got to be courageous in the name of Jesus and use the power of the Holy Spirit to reason with them. It's interesting to note how Felix and Drusilla got together. All right. Um, this isn't, I just wanted to share this with you from a historical standpoint. These people back. Wow. Okay, so Drusilla was married to a king. She was like 18 or 19 years old. Married to the king of Emesa. And then uh, Felix, he looked at her one time, and it was like, ooh, I got to have her. So he was like, man, what can I do to get this woman? So history tells us that he, ordered, he, he hired a sorcerer to seduce her and all of this stuff. And, uh, and apparently it must have worked. So Drusilla left King Azizus and married Felix. So they sent for Paul during his court proceeding to hear him speak about Jesus. So their marriage even started out, I mean, Felix just took somebody's wife. Remind me of a king named David. All right. So as he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control and judgment to come, Felix was terrified. Go away, he replied. When it is more convenient, I'll call for you again. So he reasoned with them. He preached. Now, there's a couple of areas that served as a direct confrontation, and we kind of touched on it already. Paul preached about righteousness. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all, all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Think about that phrase. Think about that statement. How can you hold truth in unrighteousness? What the world has done now has said bad things are good and good things are bad. And they're making bad things righteous these days. We call things different to, so we can sleep better at night. Way too many people hold the truth in unrighteousness. We live in a world where we cover up stuff uh, or rename stuff so it don't appear so bad. 
There's bad words that we've substituted. We use, instead of saying certain bad words, we've substituted them with other words, but they mean the same. What a man calls the truth, calls stretching the truth, God calls it lying. What a man calls an entanglement, God calls adultery. I mean, you watch some of this, oh, it was just an entanglement. What? You slept with, you married and slept with somebody else. It's adultery. Let's call it what it is. It walks like a duck, sounds like a duck. It's a what? It's a duck all day, every day. What man calls an alternative lifestyle, God, God calls homosexuality. And is we could just go on and on. Uh, I, I think I'd rather live with this guy right now. I think I'd rather live with this girl first. There's a saying, uh, try out the cow to see how well the milk is or something like that. Buy, buy the cow before the milk? No. What, how's it going? Why, why buy the car? Why buy the car? When the milk is free. Yes, that's what I was trying to say. And we get caught up in that. And start saying, yeah, you know, yeah, that makes sense. And you know, you, 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 I, I know couples now, back home, but this, this one young lady was living with this guy for years and years and years, bought a house together, and he never popped a question, never put a ring on it or nothing. You had the car for a long time, and you don't know how this... What's the deal here? And so now she has the expectation, and now they broke up now because she feels that, hey, you wasted all these years of my life. I want to be married. But um, no, we, we, we do these things just to appease ourselves. Oh, it's not that bad. What a man calls a desire to have what somebody else has, God calls it covetousness. And so we can name it all we want, but if it's unright, you can't hold the truth in unrighteousness. All right? But the text says that that's what happened, and we see it today lived out. Any other questions or comments on that? We are also told that Paul preached about temperance, which is also self-control. When Paul preaches about righteousness, he was dealing with their character. He was talking about who they were before God when he dealt with the subject of righteousness. But when it came to the subject of temperance, He's talking about their conduct or how they live before men. So we have to ask ourselves, how is our temperance? How's our self-control? What does self-control mean? Control yourself. <laughs> right? Simple as that. Uh, let, me, let me move on. Melvin, yes, ma'am. You got yourself under control. Or you have yourself under control. In order to have yourself under control, Mind has to be under control. Be responsible for the way you do. Indeed. Yes, we are. When Paul began to speak of self-control, he hit this couple squarely in the eyes. Because this was a couple that was out of control. From a legacy of evil, lived evil, evil deeds. Yes. And even though we don't know exactly everything that Paul said to them, because he was inspired, he may have been able to take examples of exactly what they had done and all that evil and stuff. And that would have been actually pretty shocking to them for him to be able to talk to them about what they had done because it may not have been, you know, something that he would have known, which would have made them even more terrified. Oh, so like you said, yeah, we may not know every, every single word, but we do know from the text he said enough to make Felix terrified. He, oh. You ever be sitting there and listening to the preacher, and, oh, he's stepping on my feet, like, oh, gosh, he must have known about my life, or how did he know that about me? 
I don't know anything about you. The Holy Spirit does. That's why the Holy Spirit gave me these words to say to you because the Spirit knows you. And I'm just an ambassador. I'm just a messenger to tell you about you. <laughs> to tell me about me. And to tell you about God's word. And so he began to talk about self-control. Ooh, that hit him. It hit him hard. Just as Felix was lacking in the righteousness department, he was also lacking in self-control. This was a wicked couple. I thought of uh, Ananias and Sapphira when I was studying this text as well. Another couple that just didn't have it together. And uh, in fact, <laughs> the Holy Spirit gave uh, the wife a chance to come clean. The husband lied and died. Had to, gave the wife a chance to come clean. Then the wife lied and died. And so now here we see another wicked couple and uh, so think about this thought. The biggest challenge to self-control is emotional regulation. Wow. Successful people know how to make their emotions their servants rather than their masters. Any thoughts on that? Let me let that marinate on your mind for a second. The biggest challenge to self-control is emotional regulation to regulate your emotions, especially in the heat of the moment. Because we, when we lead with emotions, a lot of times it doesn't end well. Because emotions are fickle. Yes, I'm feeling this way right now about this particular subject, but five minutes from now, I may not. I haven't given it any prayer. I haven't given it any meditation. I haven't talked to God about anything. All I'm dealing with is my feelings. And as we know, feelings uh, aren't always facts. Remember that. Your feelings are not always facts. All right? Think about this thought. The idea behind emotional regulation is not to suppress or deny emotions, but to manage them consciously as they shape our words and actions. Yes. Okay. And and that's and that's 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 helping to manage it as well. Yes, ma'am. I thought you said you know that song, Angry Birds. It was Angry Words, okay. <laughs> Shelly. That's good because that pause is important. Yeah, and it's not just about a pause and take a breath. 
including the Holy Spirit in on the process. But pausing is important because that has to happen first. A situation takes place, my emotions arise. Like, okay, well, okay, my emotions is kicking. All right, Lord, we need to have a talk because I'm not in a good place right now. And by the time you come off your knees, it's different, right? It's different. Yes, it is. Go ahead, Robin. That's right. They got to be right. Don't mess the food up. Yeah. <laughs> Pausing is good. Go ahead, Roberta. Yeah, I have a colleague that is similar to that. He would take, when it gets to security talk, I said, but you don't want to say it. But he would pause, take his words, think about what he was going to say before he said it. He would do the same thing on his desk. He would sit there and he would look at his desk and he would wait for the thing, but he would take a moment before he moved. I appreciate people that do. I know who you're talking about, too. Yeah. Oh, oh, you hit it, Shell. Oh, man, that's where I was going. Yes, let's get this thing done. Yes. A pauser. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I'm not a pauser either. I got to, ooh. I'm like. I'm like, let's, you know, I'll react. Okay, what happened? Boom, let's, let's fix and this. In America in general, everything is so, like, get the one to a point to the next. Oh, yeah. And so if you learn to, like, chill. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Pause, pray. I, I, I admire the pausers. I, I got to learn from the pausers. Yeah, that just, the pausers. <laughs> yeah, right. Not have a cup of coffee at the same time, not, you know, <laughs> watching the news at the same time. Thank you. 
Okay, so so let's be let's be mindful let's be mindful of the context of Acts chapter twenty four. Okay, so where I'm going is this: when Paul is talking about righteousness, when Paul is talking about temperance, and then he goes into judgment, the conduct the the context rather is talking about the judgment of his soul and not the destruction of a temple. All right. So, okay, I understand the parables, but that's not connected to Acts 24 in this context. Instead of going to, to this back and forth, I want to finish this class, Randy, because I know you and I don't. You've asked me to discuss this four times, Randy? Let me finish the class, Randy. We'll talk. Because this isn't the setting for this right now. All right? We're, we're, talking, we're not talking a parable right now. We're talking an actual court scene in Acts 24. This is not a parable. It's not a parable. A parable is a, a, parable is a, a earthly matter, a heavenly matter with an earthly situation. That's a parable. I'm not saying that, Randy. I'm just talking about Acts 24 right now. Let's stay there. All right, let's stay there. Let us move on. Let us move on. All right, so the idea behind emotional regulation is not to suppress or deny emotions, but to manage them consciously as they shape our words and our actions. Let's remember that. All right? Let's remember that. So don't let your mind control you. Control your mind. We kind of talked about it a second ago, Sharon. Is that possible? <laughs> right? That's possible. I was, you said lots of effort. I was talking to a gentleman recently that uh, has a problem with his sister. They don't get along. They don't speak. And I said, God expects you to forgive her anyways. God expects you to let it go. And he says to me, but it's hard. But it's hard. You've, you've overcome a lot of hard things in your life. And now you're talking about something, you're talking about your If you don't forgive her, God isn't going to forgive you. Simple as that. Now, don't let your mind control you. Because if you do, you're out of control. What should be controlled in our mind? What should be controlled in our mind? Everything that's righteous. Yes, the Holy Spirit should be controlled in our mind. Listen, look at this. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, 
right? Let. Notice he says, let. We got to let this mind. But some of us, no, I ain't going to let you. Somebody says something bad to you, you need to forgive them. Nope, I ain't going to let my mind. Nope, I'm not going to let my mind be like Christ. I'm going to hold this grudge. Let this mind, you got to let it. Let this mind which was in you also be in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider a robbery to be equal with God but has made himself of no reputation taking the form of, an, of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Have a mind like Jesus, but like you said, it's hard, but we got to let it. Through prayer, practice, the gift of the Holy Spirit, just continue. When you... In order to do this, you got to read about Jesus to know what his mind is like. We want a mind like him. We want a mind like him. So how are we going to know his mind? Fewer distractions. Fewer distractions. But the point I'm trying to stress with this is that we got to get into the life of Jesus, the mind. What's in his psyche? Let's get in his cognitive. What, look, look at his teaching style. Look at the, the things that he said when he said it and how he said it. And try to emulate that to the fullest. Jesus used the power of words to convince and convict the hearers. When Paul addressed Felix, he was speaking to a man who had lost his dignity, his, moral, his morality, and his decency. When he addressed Drusilla, he was speaking to a woman who had lost her decency, her modesty, and her purity. He was speaking to a couple who were morally bankrupt and spiritually ignorant and had no regard for the word of God. None. So they could care less of what God's word said because they continued the same lifestyle. You ever talk to somebody about the word of God and they just didn't want to talk about it anymore? <laughs> just, I mean, I've had people storm out of my house, Bible studies. The thing is, see, I'm not going to have an argument with you about the word of God. I'm not going to do it. If I can't reason with you through the word of God, I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to argue. I see if I see that you're stuck there and you're not, that's your belief. I, if, if I can't change it through the truth, I can't do nothing with it. That's between you and God. So I'm not going to argue with you whether you're in the church or not. One of the tragedies of these modern times is that few people are confronted by the word of God in their lifestyles. Why? Why, family? Why is that true? We've become soft. Why? How, how, why did we become soft? Too emotional. Is that what? Is, is that why? Because we're too emotional. We let our emotions control. Okay. Okay. So we. So we fear what they're gonna think of us. You telling me about this? Yeah. Are you just judging? Yes. For example, because they love their sin. They love their sin. Okay, but why are few people confronted about the word, about their lifestyles? The why aren't people confronted like they should be? Go ahead. Chris and then Barry, go ahead. Sin out of us, 
convicted enough. Yeah. That is one of the problems. Yes, Rivera. Same thing. It's our responsibility. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fear. Indeed. Yes. Oh my. Oh my. Oh. Oh. Fewer people. The, the remnant is getting smaller and smaller. Smaller and smaller. Yes, Len. People want to do what they want to do. When you confront them, you're not going to tell me what to do. Well, it's, it's not us telling them. Right. But they don't want to listen because they don't want to change. They want to stay that way. And uh, most people, unfortunately, don't want to hear what the truth. They don't want to hear it. And you know, there's several reasons why, um, you know, uh, people aren't being confronted about their lifestyle. One of them is that we, we, we one of them is that we fear these laws. We don't want to talk about Jesus at school and and uh, at work. Now, now, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, in your school, you, could, you passed around a flyer concerning church. Yeah. You guys can say Jesus at your school and put so Jesus stuff up in. Tony, you just asked me. <laughs> I, I got called on the floor for the principal because the two girls had, had a cell phone out, and neither one of them would, would say which one had it. And they happened to be my homeroom kids, um, so I got called into the principal's office. And I mentioned the word
Chris, with all that said, so now that tells us that we have to really pray and come ask God to give us some ways to get the power of these words out. Okay, so the school system saying, I can't say Jesus, I can't say God. At work, I can't say Jesus. Well, you know what? Let my lifestyle speak, number one, Amen. right? Number two, Lord, make a way for me to get this word to these individuals. Mm -hmm. My wife was holding a, uh, she, she had, uh, she was the program director of this after-school program. And she asked me to come in and teach these kids some life skills. Uh, give them some things that they're not getting in the classroom. Give them some things they're not getting at home. So I said, okay, so in that, all I was doing was teaching a Bible class without quoting scripture. How many guys opened the door for the young ladies? When they were, oh, I do, I do. How many guys, you, you say your prayers before you eat? I mean, how, how truthful are we? Are we people of integrity? You know, those kind of things. Teaching just how to be good people without quoting scripture. So God will make a way for us. Now, here's Paul in a Roman courthouse. They don't want to hear nothing about God. If I'm in a meeting, uh, commissioners are all around, deputy commissioners all around, and something says, excuse me, excuse me, hold on a second, I'm a man of faith, and I, this is my position with this. Whew, you know how much, you know what kind of courage it takes to do that? Because uh, another thing that hinders this is conformity. See, we want to conform. We don't want to be looked at a certain way. But why are you trying to fit in when you were born to stand out? So a lot of times we want to conform and be like everybody else, you know, but when you're not like everybody else, that's what's going to happen. You run the risk of, see, there was times I didn't get invited to everything because guys knew it. Now nah, we're not inviting now to the game because we're going to be drinking beers. And, you know, people want to feel comfortable. Like, I'm not going to come and judge you. If you're going to drink beer, you're going to drink beer. But they figure if I'm there, it's like, oh, I'm going to feel guilty because now I don't. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's all. Hey, don't invite me then. <laughs> but see, we are written epistles. People want to see a sermon before they hear a sermon. See? And so we got to be bold and we got to be courageous, courageous and we have to be wise in these days to tell people about their lifestyles. Yes? But because your friend felt guilty, mm -hmm. you taught them what was right. Mm. They were already guilty. Mm. They were working around. Do you want me right? You were putting fire on them every single time you showed up. Even without saying anything. Without saying anything. Mel, you want to go to happy hour? Man, I'm happy every hour anyway. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. See? You know, yeah. So how do you how can you say one thing and do another? Mm -hmm. 
turned it off, and they didn't like to hear that. They didn't want to hear that. Yeah, a lot of people don't want the truth. No. You can't handle the truth. Right. <laughs> right? right? Let's finish this up from where the service begins. So, basically, sin is sin, and one day it's going to catch up to you. Number says that sin will find you out. Okay, so we got to practice self-control. Let's look at our examples. Speaking of self-control, here's Joseph living in, a, in the palace uh, with Pharaoh, all these beautiful women, and, and the, main, the most beautiful woman in the palace want to sleep with him, but he said, no, I'm not doing that. You're not my wife. I'm not married. Lot had self-control when he was told not to look back. Did that take self-control not to look back? Of course it did, especially when Miss Lot turned into a pillar of salt. Me, Lot and the two daughters still moving this way. They're not hearing mom's voice anymore. I want to look back to see what happened to my wife. I want to look back to see what happened to my mother. It took control not to look back on a loved one that's no longer there. That took control. Look at Hannah, self-control. She was teased about being barren, and then God blessed her with five kids. Y'all remember the story with Peninnah? She would always tease her all the time. Ooh, Hannah, Hannah just wanted to reach across the table and smack her. Control. <laughs> Job, self-control. He, he talked with God even though he lost everything. Paul, another one that abstained from sex, a single preacher. Women love preachers. You better believe he was tempted. A single man in the church? You ain't even got to be a preacher. Just be a single man in the church. Women coming after you. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> Some women in the church will go after a married man. <laughs> I've seen it. I was preaching out of town one day, and as our custom was, Roberta and I, we go to the back, and I'm shaking hands with everybody that's leaving. This sister walked up to me. She looked me up and down and smiled and said, oh, I like him. <laughs> Roberry just smiled at her and said, yeah, I like him too. <laughs> I ain't have to say nothing. Just keep it moving. Just keep it moving. <laughs> Didn't you just leave worship service? <sighs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Listen, Jesus had self-control when Satan tried to tempt him with riches and power. So, God will bless those that have control. Uh, we don't have time to deal with the judgment to come, but I know when he talked about the judgment to come, oh, man, unquenchable fire, misery, pain, dilute, oh, hell, all like, ooh, that, ooh. Whatever it was that Felix heard, it made him tremble. Judgment to come made him tremble. Not the destruction of a building, the destruction of his soul made him tremble. The word means to throw into fear and become terrified. Uh, I think for the first time, Felix understood the truth that he was lost and that he was under the wrath of a holy God. So just, just some rhetorical questions. How does it make you feel when you hear about righteousness, temperance, and judgment? Will the power of a few words cause you to make a change right now? As Felix was, be was being convicted by his sins of the word of God, he made a terrible, faithful decision. He says, man, he, he says, go away for another time. He refused the message. He told Paul that he would consider the matter at a convenient time. Sometimes we do the same thing. I, I, I'll come to God when the time is right. When I'm done with this or that, I'll be more committed. When this or, this, when this or that happens or my situation changes, uh, I got some things to do first, and then I'll get it right. Uh, remember... Um, when Jesus says, follow me, and then the guys was like, well, let me bury my father first. Right. And then Jesus says, let the dead bury the dead. Making up excuses. Let me do this first, and then I'll come, Jesus. No. Seek ye first what? Yes. Put that first. So when you procrastinate, this is what it's like. 
Procrastination is like a credit card. It's a lot of fun until you get the bill. <laughs> I can put it off, put it off, and do my own thing. And then, boom, get the Oh, what in the world? <laughs> so in closing, there is no indication that Felix ever came to faith, him or his wife. According to history, this would happen. Well, not according to history. I'll get to that in a second. Two years after this took place, Felix had to face uh, Nero. His power got taken from him. Look at this. Acts chapter 24 and 27. Two years went by in this way. Then Felix was succeeded by Porcius, Festus. So his position was taken away two years after this incident took place. And so uh, history tells us that Drusilla, remember, uh, if you can remember history, the uh, Mount Suvius, the, uh, the volcano in Pompeii? There was a big volcano that erupted on Mount, uh, Mount Vesuvius. And history tells us that Drusilla died in that volcano. And also they had a son as well. Felix and Drusilla had a son. And history tells us that he died in that volcanic lava as well. So that was the end of them. So that was a tragedy. Uh, so it was the words of God that convicted Felix, Felix, but it was the words of his own mouth that condemned him. See that? All right, so I got to finish this. So his words can confront you. They may concern you, but in the end, it will be your words that condemn you. It's a dangerous thing to know that God has given you his word and you make a decision to say, you know what, maybe later. So Felix was, uh, Felix was used to print. Okay, we can skip by all of that. Uh, what I was saying here was, Felix was, Felix was uh, used to prisoners offering him money to get out of jail, and he thought he'd get a bribe. But the word is a word. We can't make a deal with God's word, amen? We either comply or deny the power of these words. Sometimes you ever say, Lord, just get me out of this, and, and, and I'll never do this again. I know I have. Lord, get me out of this. I'll never do it again, right? But this is not let's make a deal. It's not wheel of fortune or jeopardy. But the price has to be right. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Roberry. I was kind of destructive up there. Sorry, <laughs> Donna, for messing up here. <laughs> All right, we got to close. Okay, look at this. Notice how powerful these words are. You're going to either comply or deny, submit or quit, or you're going to be pricked or you're going to get ticked. Last example right here. Notice the two reactions in Scripture. Felix was terrified. He says, go away. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Therefore let all of house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were what? Pricked. See the difference? Ticked, pricked. Cut to the heart is what a lot of versions say, but in the King James original, the word is pricked. All right, so ticked. Which one are you today? Ticked or pricked? Mm. So, just a few powerful words. Just a few powerful words. So be righteous, be temperate, because we all got to face the judgment. There is power in God's words to change your life. Final questions. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the power of your word. Your word has affected each and every one of us that are in this room, and it has affected uh, millions and billions of hearers uh, from antiquity until now. And Father, we pray that the power of your words will prick our hearts and cause us to change and have a mind like Jesus. And Father, I pray that we're not ashamed of these words and not ashamed of the gospel because it has the power to save. Whether we're talking to kings, presidents, or whether we're talking to people in our neighborhoods, whether if it's the poor or the rich, let us be bold and courageous and speak the truth in love. 
Father, bless us now as we go into your worship, that we can do things that will be pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.